Welcome in to the Wednesday Bible study, and uh, if you're if you're catching it uh, either live right now or around the same day that we actually did this Bible study, it is uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and I, I want to start uh, with this Bible study just talking about how thankful uh, I am for the men in this room and how loyal you guys have been. A lot of you have been in here for eight years doing a Bible study. With this, will complete our eighth year, and uh, so we'll start year nine. Uh, coming up next year, if the Lord allows us all to get together again, so thankful to each and every one of you for the many days you prayed for me and and uh, how, how encouraging you've been to me. And for those of you that have been joining us uh, out there, thank you. I, I think all of us need to really take this time to thank Chris Adler. Chris, we love you, buddy. I mean, y'all have no idea the work he puts in uh, on this and and the content that we put out at themanchurch.com. Uh, he, he spends hours and, and, and if you get this on an archive, uh, are you getting to see this? He's doing this because he loves Jesus. I mean, he, he doesn't make, he doesn't make any money doing this. Uh, he told me from the very beginning when we decided uh, that we could take this out to people, we could archive it for you, that he was more than willing and, 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 and does this, uh, with, um, enthusiasm without complaining and, uh, the impact that God is making through your, gifts and your uh, commitment to this, uh, you probably won't know those till we all stand before him one day. But I love you and I thank you for that. So, uh, so you know, the behind the scenes people, a lot of times you don't know what they, what, what people like Chris do, but without them, we don't have any of this. So um, well, let's talk about a few things I do want you to know about. So we're, we're, we will finish out Genesis uh, by the end of December. I, I've looked and we've got, um, we'll have to do two chapters uh, one of the Wednesdays, and that's not going to be that difficult because even like today, I know a lot of you need to get home and that you're here because it's it's it probably won't be that long because we've got some genealogies that'll be that'll be coming at us and Jacob's going to bless all of his sons and all that. I think we can combine that into uh, two chapters into one Wednesday, uh, and then uh, we will finish the year. The last one will be uh, on the 14th of December. Uh, and then uh, we will be we will not have a Bible study on the 21st or the 28th. I believe that's correct. Uh, and then uh, we will be back on the first Wednesday in January, and we will start the Revelation. So that uh, that will be our next Bible study, uh, and we will walk through that. So let let me let you uh, before the year ends though we're we're not done. Um, if you go to themanchurch.com, we still have a couple of man churches on the board uh, in December. Uh, Mobile, Alabama. You have a man church coming up. Uh, West Mobile Baptist Church continues to walk through the men's discipleship strategy from themanchurch.com. Uh, you have Andy Blanks, who he and his team write all the study guides that go with the curriculum. He and I wrote um, the 40-day devotional versions of how to be a man along. We did have some help uh, on the second one, uh, but Andy and the third one with some other authors. But Andy kind of oversees. I, I kind of oversee with Adler uh, the videos that you see, the, uh, the, the what you see uh, on the archives, what you hear teaching. Uh, but then Andy, he puts together the team that writes everything. That, that's that's where you get the study guides. That's where you get the books. I contribute to that. But without Andy, those things would never uh, come out. And our publisher is Iron Hill Press uh, with Les Bradford and Andy Blank. So I want to thank them and our team that writes the study guides for all they do, too. Uh, some great men of God. So anyway, our fourth curriculum is coming out in 2023. It'll be called Impact. So that'll be available for you churches that are looking for the next curriculum, or maybe it's one that you would just be interested in based off 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, so that'll be coming out uh, in 2023. Transformed, a new 31-day devotional uh, that, that Andy convinced me and encouraged me and, of course, my wife Sherry also helping me. Uh, I, that's the first devotional I've ever written just by myself, uh, walking through the Word of God, and we tried to find 31 of the most challenging verses in the Bible. Uh, and we spend a day on each one of those, and that devotional will be coming out probably by December. So we, we may have that for you 
before Christmas. We'll let you know. Uh, but anyway, just want to thank Andy for that, and he'll be teaching at Westmobile coming up uh, on, on December 10th. Scott Dawson, we, we kicked it off. I, I was there via video, our, our kickoff video we have, which you also can use if you're a church who's starting the strategy, but you have a hard time getting people in the room, one of our speakers, to you. You have the option that I can be on video kicking it off for you, too. And First Baptist Church in Webster, Florida, down near Tampa, they did that, but this is their second man church. Uh, they've been in the first 10 weeks of the first curriculum, and Scott Dawson will be there on December the 11th. Uh, so make a note of that. That'll kind of wrap up the year. Uh, now, if you're looking for Christmas gifts and you're watching this, I know we got a big shopping weekend coming up. A lot of great gifts for men at themanchurch.com. I mentioned stuff that we have available, resources we have. We got shirts, we got hats. We also have third party resources. This means books that were written by other authors that we trust. Uh, there's some great gift ideas there. Uh, and then, of course, if the new devotional comes out in time, you can look for it. I'll let you know if it comes out or not. Uh, but all that at themanchurch.com. And you can also get the men on your list tickets for the Man Church Conference. Uh, that's coming up February 24th and 25th in my hometown, Oxford, Alabama. It's uh, almost halfway between Atlanta and Birmingham for those of you that will be traveling. Uh, it's a great central location. Go ahead and get your hotels booked, but uh, if you want to buy those for men, it's reserved seats. We are uh, a little over halfway sold uh, in the room, so we've, we've, we're over half sold out. So uh, don't put it off for two reasons. I don't want you to end up or the men on your list end up without a seat. Uh, if they want to go, and also the price will go up in January. These are early bird prices right now to try to encourage people to go ahead and get their tickets so we have some idea of how many people are coming so we can plan accordingly, especially the breakfast we're going to be doing on Saturday for leaders who want to attend to kind of network about our strategy. This will be a, a conference that will feature teachers uh, from our team, We've got a, a, a guest pastor come in, Recap Gray from Orlando, a young pastor that is phenomenal. Chuck Hooten will be doing worship, uh, and uh, also it's a great time to network. And all the latest uh, material that we have out at themanchurch.com, all of our resources will be represented there. So we'll have high challenge, we'll have high equipping, and we'll even have some great fellowship for you at Big Time Entertainment if your group uh, gets tickets. Everybody who gets a ticket gets a discount to go there and have some fun too. So all that's at themanchurch.com. Just click it right there on the homepage. If you're looking for a man church near you, click on events, and then you'll see a link that says find a man church near you. Uh, so all that's right there. Let's open in a word of prayer. We will be today, turn with me, uh, to Genesis 46. Lord, thank you for today. As we approach this this time of Thanksgiving, we want to do in this room and, and people joining us all around the world, we want to do what, what Thanksgiving was intended, and that is to focus on you. It's really not about food. It's really not about a family. Those are all certainly good things, nothing wrong with those things. But ultimately, this was a time set aside for our country where we live to say to you, the one and only living God, that we thank you. Uh, for the freedoms you've uh, afforded us, to thank you for the, the blessings, the standard of living that you have afforded us, even on our worst day. Uh, but most of all, thank you for the grace and mercy and the redemption that you give us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, may your Holy Spirit guide this study of your Holy Word. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so, uh, so Genesis 46. Uh, this, is a, this is a big moment because now... Uh, the moment is approaching uh, for Jacob slash Israel uh, to see Joseph, who he uh, has been tricked into thinking is dead, and it's, they thought he's been dead for years. What, what an incredible moment uh, in Genesis 46. The journey is now on. Now notice, uh, you will see the author of Genesis. We're going to see that name again is going to go back and forth. He's going to be called Jacob, and he's going to be called Israel. And, and this is not haphazard that this happens. It's all God using, um, you know, showing us that, that when he's called Israel, when you hear, so Israel took his journey, when, when you see him being called Israel now, this is going to be a foreshadowing of, of the nation of Israel that is to come. Here comes the nation of Israel because this is all, of, this is all the descendants that are left uh, in this, this lineage that God says he's going to create uh, this powerful nation, uh, nation they're now going to uproot out of Canaan, 
where they'll eventually come back and establish the nation, and they're going to move for protection during the the, the remaining famine. They're going to move to this protection that God has provided them in Joseph through the Egyptians. You know, now, now, now think about that. A lot of times God, he, he works in, in, in mysterious ways. Um, you see that sometimes he'll use um, enemies of his people to like this to provide for them. Sometimes he used enemies of his people to punish them, to refine them. Uh, and you see this, and one thing that you see is that God is sovereign and that God is in control. And, uh, you know, we, we, we were talking and there was some follow-up, uh, you know, with, with these things that God allows slash causes. Um, I, I know that it's more provocative to say causes, and I have no problem with that term. And I was talking with one of the members of the class about that. But if we believe that God is sovereign, which we should since he says he is, uh, over all things, then if I say that God allowed something or God caused something, I'm really saying the same thing. I mean, we're, we're at semantics now. Uh, it may be more provocative to say cause, uh, but, but if he's allowing it, he's causing it as well. And if he's causing it, he's allowing it. So, so I wouldn't get too caught up on which one of those words we use uh, because if he's in charge, he's in charge. Okay, so so he is. Uh, he's going to allow the Egyptians. The Egyptians can't do anything to his people that he doesn't allow, or cause, and he and, and they can't provide anything for his people that he doesn't allow or cause. So now, in this particular case, he's going to be using the Egyptians, um, and he sends, but he sends one of his people there to to rise to power, a Hebrew, Joseph, and so. Since all the convincing, mainly from Judah now, and we'll talk more about Judah in this this round as well, um, the journey is now on. So let's look at that in verse 1. So Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to God, uh, the God of his father Isaac. This is big. So the journey is on, and when we look at this journey from Canaan to Egypt, we don't see but one stop documented. Well, because it's important. Uh, Beersheba, is, is, this is where the wells of Abraham and Isaac, and you can find that if you want to make a note in the margin or if you're taking notes. You can go back and see this important place involving Abraham and Isaac. Abraham in chapter 21, verses 22 and 23. Isaac in uh, Genesis chapter 26, 23 uh, through 33. So here is Jacob slash Israel. So he's stopping to praise God and to spend time worshiping God in the same place where his father and grandfather had worshiped God. So this place, he's on his way. Now think about, well, let me tell you why this is a big deal. He's hearing that Joseph is alive. Joseph has sent everything they need, including these wagons that will help with the old people and the children and the women, to be able to travel a little easier. Uh, Pharaoh's gotten involved. He said, I, I'm, I'm going to make their trip easier. We talked about that last week. So this is not like, I mean, I want you to first of all, this is important. I want you to first of all, if you have children, okay, or you, or you hope to have children, you can relate to it enough, or think of somebody in your family that you love as much as, as much as you would love your own children, and you have just found out that one of them you thought was dead was not dead. And all you got to do is get in one of these wagons, and if you'll, you'll clip along, it, the sooner you can get there, the sooner you're going to see this son, this child, that you have been grieving over and you thought was dead, he still stops to worship God. Now, see, don't let, don't just think. Well, yeah, he stopped to worship God because that's where his father and his grandfather worship God. That's true, but don't forget the circumstance he's in. It would be real easy to justify. Let's roll on through here because I'm in a hurry to see Joseph. But he knows that the only reason he's going to get to see Joseph is because God has allowed it. God has protected Joseph, and He's kept him. And he's going to allow this reunion, and but yet he stops. And here's the beauty. 
This is really, really good. I want you to notice this and don't miss this important fact right now. We're just in verse 1, okay? It was spontaneous. God didn't even tell him to do it. He did it without having to be told. I mean, there's no record in here that, that, that God prompted him to do this. This was a spontaneous act of worship from Israel slash Jacob, and that's where we got to be. We got to get to the point that we don't have to be constantly prodded and prompted to do the right thing. We we need to get to the point that we are so ingrained in God that we're going to worship Him, and, and no matter what, we're going to worship Him if we get up and 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 it's it's. I, I was thinking about this. I guess y'all have seen the video. I was talking to Adler about it. I've had several friends send it to me. It's a video of a pastor in somewhere in India. And the, the Hindus slash Muslims in that area found out he was preaching the gospel in this village, and he's doing a house church. They come in with rods, and they beat him with rods for preaching the gospel, and he just keeps doing it. And, I, and the question was asked, now those of you that are watching this all over the world and around the country, I don't know what the church culture is where you are, but we're in the, the, the buckle of the Bible Belt where cultural Christianity reigns, where people stop going to a church if the coffee's not good enough, okay? I, I, I want you to, to just think for a moment what percentage of the church you attend would be back the following Sunday if when you walked in the parking lot to go to your car, people beat you with canes? How many of you would come back the next Sunday? To worship God. See, what we do, what we would say is, well, you don't have to be at that church to worship God. I'll just worship him here at home. I mean, God wouldn't want me to be beaten with a cane to go to go get worshiped by him. I mean, worship him. I mean, I could just stay here. Think of all the justifications you would make to no longer go back to where corporate worship was going on. I mean, it, we, we were afraid of, of, of a pandemic that was killing 1% of the people. We wouldn't go to church. I mean, your chance of living was 99%. We shut church down, okay? So, so I want you to think about, think about that because what's happening here, I don't know that you can think of the, 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 He had all the motivation and justification in the world to keep on moving through Beersheba and not stopping at this place that his father and grandfather worshiped gods and set up altars and dug wells and God provided for them. It would have been real easy and understandable to say, i got to keep moving. I want to see Joseph. And he stops and worships God. He delays the trip because he's still putting God before Joseph. That's pretty big. So 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 take a note of that. And also ask yourself if you go back to church next Sunday if they beat you with a cane on the way to your car. Okay. You know, of course these people are walking to church. I mean, we're going to go out there and get in a seventy thousand dollar car and drive off. You know what I mean? So so anyway, all right. So I can't believe the price of cars now. They're they 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 exceed the first house I ever bought. Uh and it doesn't seem like anybody's struggling to get them. Uh but but anyway, so um so, yeah, I, I think we, we have a lot to thank God for on our worst day. So then let's go to verses uh, 2 through 4. 2 through 4. And God spoke to Israel in visions uh, of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. This is beautiful. So God calls him Jacob. Notice he didn't call him, call him Israel here. Why is that? Because the author, I mean, you know, we think this may be Moses writing this. He calls him Israel, but then God calls him Jacob. That's because he's not a great nation yet. He's going to be a great nation, but he's not. So, you know, the name he's got for you right now, the name he has for me, he may have a greater name in store. But he, he's, he's letting Jacob know, you will be a great nation. Why is he saying that? He's been saying this throughout the entire book of, of Genesis to his granddaddy, to his daddy, and now to him. God keeps reminding him, I'm going to do this. So don't, look, don't, don't start thinking this isn't going to happen. I, I, I know that, you know, you, you, there's some things that have happened. You've had a tough time, but I, haven't, I, I have not gone back on the promise and I love 
that um, that when God calls him, immediately Jacob says, here I am. Here, here I am. God himself, and, and, and he, he calls God, God the Father. He's identified and then identifies himself as God, your father, the God of your father. I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid. And, and Jacob uh, is, is probably concerned about what's going to happen in Egypt. And he says what? He says, I want you to know there's nothing to be afraid of if you're going to Egypt. Now, I want you to look at this too. For there I will make you a great nation. Uh, for there I will uh, myself will go down with you to Egypt. Now, this is the interesting part. And he said, I will also bring you up again. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of commentary on this. What does he mean? He's going to bring him up again. What, what does he mean by that? And, and there's all kinds of commentary about that. Uh, that some com- commentaries say it, 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 we'll, we'll see what God meant in chapter 50. When we get there in verse 13, he's talking about that Jacob's body will be returned uh, and will and will be buried uh, by, in the promised land. He's talking about his body, and then we're going to see this happen uh, in 50. Uh, and then others say he's referencing what he already said in chapter 15 of Genesis to to this lineage. He's saying that this is a, this is more. Um, you know, this is going to be more your descendants. Uh, I'm going I'm to continue to bring you up. This nation will rise up, and it'll happen through your descendants, just like I said. So that's kind of the two commentaries that go back and, and forth. But there's one that everybody agrees on, and that's what he says next. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. He He's reassuring him right now, indirectly, uh, by using an analogy, because that's what's going to happen. You know, when someone dies, you shut their eyes. He's saying, you're going to see Joseph, so I'm going to get there, get you there. I'm going to be with you. You're not going to have any problem on the trip. And you're going to live in such a peaceful state for the rest of your life. This son that you thought was dead, you're going to see his face, and you're going to spend time with him, and there's never going to be another day on this earth that you're going to be separated from Joseph. As a matter of fact, you're going to peacefully die and he's going to be the one to shut your eyes. Boy, wouldn't you love to hear right now? No, look, when you die, it's going to be peaceful. It's going to be all right. We're on a journey. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to get you there, and you will have a peaceful death. I mean, think how reassuring that was. You've suffered, and, and you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, it's, it's a little bit different because, you know, we're here in the new promise now in the church age, and Sherry and I talk often, um, and and if you have not had a chance to see Sherry's interview with Andy Andrews, Andy Andrews does a uh, a podcast, and Sherry was his guest a few weeks ago, and he they released that today. Um, and if you haven't, it was actually last Friday, so they've already released it. If you haven't watched that, if you go to uh, rickandbubba.com, uh, we've got it everywhere on our Facebook page. We've got it on our Burgess Ministries. If you follow us on Twitter, we've got the link there. You can go find it. It's the, the Professional Noticer, Observations and Answers with Andy Andrews. And he interviews Sherry. Whatever you do, find time to watch that. Uh, you, I'm, yes, yes I, I, I get excited about my wife when she's teaching. And do I think she does a good, good job? I do but I'm not along. I'm not delusional. Uh, she is my wife. I understand that I'm biased, but I think you will agree. And it's a topic that people struggle with, and some of you are going to find great comfort of take if you'll take time to listen to that. You're going to find great comfort, okay, from the Word of God. So anyway, so we have talked about many times, and Sherry talk, talks about it in that interview, is we're separated from one of our sons. Our son is in heaven. We are not yet. But we know that the day is coming where we will see him again, and because of God's grace and mercy, once that day comes, there'll never be another day that we're not with him. As Sherry says all the time, this is not the way it will always be. You know, and and he's as David said, he's not coming back to us because this thing's going away. We're going to go to him. But when that day comes, because of the grace and the mercy and the promises of God, there'll never be another day that I'll be separated from, from, from my Lord and Savior and from that boy. That's what's waiting. Now, Jesus is our reward. 
But I'll tell you one thing, our son will be a nice, a nice bonus as well. And there's going to be the day when he says, here's your boy again. And, and hopefully, if we, if, we, if we finish, and I know that, that not many people do finish well. Our goal is to finish well, and by the grace of God and his power, we will. But if we finish well, I, 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 I want to see Jesus. I want to see Bronner, and I hope that he hears his mother and father being told by our Lord and Savior, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I asked you to do and what I empowered you to do, and I told you it wasn't going to be forever, and now all this has been resolved. And that day is coming. So, so that's really what, uh, what Jacob is being told. So uh, the next thing, he, he, he hears this from God, he worships God, and then five through seven, um, you know, all of his offspring, we'll talk about that. Look, it says, Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, their little ones, and their wives in wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry them. They also took their livestock with their goods, and underline that because they weren't supposed to do that, uh, which uh, they had uh, gained in the land of Canaan. And came into Egypt, Jacob, and underline this, all his offspring with him, uh, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, all uh, his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. Just kind of a funny little thing there. It doesn't turn out to be any big deal. But Pharaoh said they didn't need them possessions. Bring the livestock, but you really don't need anything else. Well, you know how... Probably the women got involved. I'm not leaving this behind. This means a lot to me and all that. But they ended up taking their possessions too. Uh, and remember, look here, all of his offspring. See, this is the whole nation that God's going to make. They all go with him. Uh, and so everybody is is in tow as they head to Egypt. And I'll, I'll give you more specifics next. So 8 through 27, some of you that are watching the clock going, we're not going to get there. We will because now this is just genealogy. Uh, 8 through 27, you have an intro. Now, these are the names of the descendants of Israel who came into Egypt. So now, you know, they, they all begin to be named, and we're not going to go through the 76 or so names here, uh, but we are going to talk about it. Uh, it's really broken into six parts. Um, after the intro starting in 8B, um, you're going to start seeing uh, the descendants and they're and they're going to certainly they'll talk about the sons. But what's interesting here is is eight B through fifteen. You see descendants of Leah. She's first, and then the descendants of Zilpah is verses sixteen through eighteen. Now that was a, a concubine uh, that Laban gave to Leah that she then gave to Jacob. Uh, then you see the descendants of Rachel, uh, verses nineteen through twenty two, and we'll unpack that a little bit. The descendants of of Bela. That was a concubine that Laban gave to to her, uh, and then she gave. When the, remember the competition started going, who can have the most babies? Um, uh, verse twenty three through twenty five. Each wife, uh, as you go through this genealogy, it, they, each wife ends with a summary. Now the concubines are included, as I mentioned. They were given to the daughters by Laban, and they make and make sure we know that. But if you look at Rachel's descendants. It includes clues of Jacob's love for her. Remember, that's the wife that Jacob loved, and it was a Laban tricked him. It was a struggle this whole time. But even in this genealogy, you see that Rachel is special to him, and you see that. Look at verse nineteen, sons of of, of Rachel, uh, and then look look what she's called in verse nineteen. Here are the sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife. None of the other women are called that, okay? Jacob's wife. And then you see that Joseph's wife is listed. Nobody else's of the sons, their wives are not listed, but Joseph's is in verse 20. And, and then his sons are the only grandsons where this genealogy tells us where they were born. So you see that Rachel's uh, descendants get treated a little different than the rest of the sons, um, and uh, the, uh, the rest of the, the wives um, and, uh, and, and her offspring are also special, which we've seen throughout Genesis, I mean, throughout this narrative. I mean, this is not surprising. Uh, just to kind of give you some background, 76 names are, are mentioned here, including Jacob, um, 
the the list does not include any Egyptian, uh, like you know Joseph's wife. Even though she was mentioned, uh, you don't see any other Egyptians mentioned. Uh, three of them died in Canaan, uh, even though they make the list. Uh, and then uh, those that were already in Egypt um, uh, are included. So really, if you look at it, if you want to know how many people are coming with Jacob for this big reunion, the number that everybody feels good about is 70. He's got 70 total people that weren't already in Egypt. Do you see what I mean? He, he's got Joseph and his bunch there, but they're already there. So it's 70 new people that are coming, and the whole list has 70 men and six women uh, and that the, the six women are four wives, uh, his daughter, Dinah, and the granddaughter, uh, Sarah. So, so that just kind of, if you, if you took all these verses, that that's the bottom line of these verses. Okay. So now let's, let's get to, to, to verses 28 and 29, because this is the, the big moment. Okay. Um, so we're, 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 we're getting there now. We're getting to Goshen. He sent Judah, he had sent Judah, talking about Jacob, uh, he had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. Now, once again, and I know we really, we were all very moved by this narrative of Judah uh, who had caused all all these problems now stepping up and finally caring about his father and, and willing to sacrifice himself. Uh, for Benjamin. Uh, So now you see he's clearly trusted by Jacob because of all the boys. He goes to Judah and he sends Judah ahead to prepare for the family to arrive uh, in Goshen. And this is really kind of cool with all the things you see with the redemption of Judah, who of course will be the lineage all the way to our Lord and Savior Jesus. Think about this, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. Judah played a key role in the separation of Joseph and his father. Now he facilitates the reunion. How cool is that? So he played a major role in the fact that Jacob was separated from Joseph, but now he's working his rear end off to be sure he facilitates that reunion. He's going to make this right. And, and, he, and he's the one who's gone ahead to prepare this. Also, look at the foreshadowing. Look at the foreshadowing here. So, so Judah goes to reunite this, this, this father, Jacob, Israel, to reunite him with his son. He's rectifying uh, a sin that was caused. He has repented, and he's now making it right. Um, so then look at the excitement um, uh, next with, with Joseph. Then Joseph, verse 29, then Joseph prepared his chariot, and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. See, this is really cool. Joseph is so excited, he's not waiting. It also shows that, uh, again, the power he has in Egypt, it was a big deal to have a chariot. So Joseph has a chariot. He said, get the horses, get them on the chariot. I'm going to cut down this distance between me and my father. It's going to take a while because, you know, Judah has gone out ahead. You ever, you ever, you ever taken your family on a trip? You ever tried to drag around your family? Uh, and now I'm at the point where I'm really much smaller group. I I did you know I went from having small children to now I've got old people, and I'm telling you, getting 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 my mom and daddy and my father-in-law, my mother-in-law anywhere. Good gracious, I mean it it, it takes forever. And and how many times has Sherry said, "Look, I will keep coming. Go on ahead and get our seats. Go on ahead and do this." I mean I've been there. I I know what this is like. Well, Joseph also knows it's going to take a while for these kids and, and my old daddy to get here, so get my chariot. I'm going to start cutting down the distance. What does this remind you all of? It hit me immediately. The prodigal. The prodigal. Rem- remember what happened. Here's the daddy, and he's been waiting on this prodigal son. Uh, God uh, has, has caused slash allowed the son, and you know this, the, the dad in this is God. Okay, and he's allowed this son to suffer the consequences of rejecting his father. Don't miss in the in the in the story of the prodigal that Jesus is telling. Don't miss that in this culture, this son basically said by wanting his inheritance, "I wish you were dead." And in that culture, the son should have been killed. 
for disrespecting his father like that. Uh, and, and so that didn't happen. Uh, and, and the daddy gave him his inheritance, gave him what he wanted, but he let him – and this is the hardest part as a parent. If you've got a prodigal, this is the hardest part, letting them get to the place that they're in the pig's pen, that they're down there picking whatever the hogs didn't eat out of the slop to survive. And what, what that son realized is what I thought was better than my daddy, what I thought was better than God, has turned out not to be so. We had some parties, but the minute I ran out of money and I couldn't buy the rounds anymore and I couldn't get the women, all these people I thought were love me or better than my daddy have abandoned me. I'm in a hog's pen eating slop. I would be better off as, as a slave back at my daddy's place. Man, that's just that's, that preaches so much. But back to this, what Joseph's doing, foreshadowing. So when you see this, in the story of the prodigal that Jesus is talking about, remember the dad is God, okay? The, the, the dad is, is the God that we serve. He sees the son top the hill, and he, he had every right to stand there on that porch and say, I'm going to let him walk the whole thing after the way he treated me. But he saw repentance. And when he saw repentance, the daddy begins to cut the distance between him and the boy by running to him. And I want you to know that are watching this, and I want every man in this room to know, if you will simply repent, and if you'll step five yards, if you're picturing the distance between you and God being a football field, if you'll just step five yards, God will run 95 to come get you. So here is Joseph saying, get me the chariot. I'm not waiting on them to get here. I'm ready to see my dad, and he's closing the gap because the reunion is finally here. Think how that must have felt. And so um, uh, he, he cuts down the, the, the distance and went up to meet Israel, his father. Now he's being called Israel again, uh, uh, the nation that is to come. Uh, in Goshen, he presented himself, fell on his neck, and wept on his neck. I love this, a good while. I bet he did. I bet he did. So Joseph did three things. He presented himself to Jacob. I'm here. I'm alive. Think about that moment. I'm here. All this time you thought I was dead. Here I am. Can you imagine that day? Can you imagine the day when it finally gets here? And this 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 Lord and the Savior that we have served that has justified us. But right now, even though we sense his presence, we don't see him. Can you imagine when the day comes and he presents himself to us and says, here I am? Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Hey, it's over. All that struggle with your flesh, it's over. All that struggle with your sin, it's over. All the pain, the agony, the sickness, the disappointment. It's over. Even though we're the ones who chose it. All God said from the very beginning is, trust me to know what's right and wrong. And we as human beings said, no, we won't do it. Just like Jesus crying over Jerusalem and Matthew, and, and he sees it in twenty three thirty seven. Jesus crying over Jerusalem. And he says, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, those of you who have killed the prophets and stoned those that my father has sent you, to tell them about him. How often I have longed to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings to protect you from what you're choosing. I added that part. He just says the wing. That's what he's symbolizing. But you were not willing by the way, that's a choice. You are not willing. This is not what I wanted for you. You chose it, and he still redeemed us. Had every right in the world to say, well, I guess I just move on. He still redeemed us. And the day is going to come just like what Israel saw 
when Joseph was standing there. He presented himself to Jacob. He hugged Jacob. He embraced him. Imagine that moment. Can you imagine being Jacob? You know, I understand the emotion of Joseph has not seen his father. I get that emotion. That's, that is a very strong emotion as we see. But I keep thinking about it from a daddy's standpoint. I keep seeing it as a father, especially having a son that has gone to heaven before me, and I've been separated from him now for 14 years. I'm thinking the, the moment for, for Jacob. I thought, I thought my son was dead, and here I am. And Judah facilitates them getting back together. I'll go set it up. I'm not going to let this happen to my dad again. Not only has he brought Benjamin back, he's brought him back to see Joseph. So what a moment. And then, so he presented himself, he hugged Jacob, and then he wept. And Scripture tells us that he wept for a while. I imagine, I imagine that embrace was a long one. Now, y'all y'all been here just about every single time we talked about it, and I know that even when y'all miss, y'all don't y'all don't miss the archive. You know this what is this? He did the same thing with Benjamin, didn't he? Remember him weeping over Benjamin and weeping on his neck? And so what has happened here, don't miss the second part. Not only has God put together Joseph and refined him through all that Joseph's been through. Not only does he have Joseph ready and he gives Joseph the gift of the reunion, don't miss he's given Joseph to his family, not just to be reunited, but to save them. To save them. Joseph's been put in a position to save them. It's good. I got this handled. Y'all not going to starve. Pharaoh's already said, I can give you all the best of everything. So you're not going to struggle anymore. The famine will not touch you. Your whole family, that's why it was important to say all of his family was with him. Everybody's here that's alive. All your descendants are here. God's going to build this nation, and he has secured it, and he's brought it all to Egypt for Egypt, who will one day enslave them, for Egypt to keep them alive so they then will be that nation. Even Egypt is playing a role in getting God's promise done. And Joseph has been sent to Egypt by God through terrible circumstances that everybody thought they were doing, and God was saying, I'm doing every bit of this. And you'll hear Joseph. Joseph's already said that once. He'll say it again before this study is over. So then... I want you to look at verse 30. Verse 30. Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. I can die now. Have you, have you ever had those things in your life that you're thinking, if this thing could just be resolved, then I could die at peace. Let me see this. Let me see this person come to redemption. Let, let me see that son. Let me see that daughter. Let, them see, let, let me see them be handled. Let me see them taken care of. Then I can die. And so here is, now look at how many times you see in, in, in Genesis, there's a lot about this, uh, he saw Joseph's faith, face, I'm sorry. Jacob sees someone's face, in 31, 20, uh, chapter 31, verses 2 and 5, he's, it says Jacob saw the face of Laban. He saw Laban's disapproval. He sought Esau's face, what, for forgiveness. That was in 32, 20 and 33, 10. He saw God face to face at Peniel. Remember when he wrestled with God, 32. And now he sees Joseph's face. And what's the significant of him? What's significant about him seeing Joseph's face? Why do you think 
the Bible makes sure that we hear this phrase, and he saw Joseph's face. I have seen your face. He tells you in the next line, I know now that you're alive. I know you're all right. I can die now. And, and God, in his grace, not only lets Joseph, I mean, Jacob, see this. That's beautiful. He didn't have to do it. He did. And, and if you'll notice, and I've been noticing, I got tickled going back looking over it. Jacob keeps, Jacob keeps trying to die. I, I, I'll be dead soon. This is, you know, and, and God won't let him die. Well, that's it. And you keep thinking, well, this is it. And Jacob just keeps staying alive. So he's actually going to give him about 17 years. They, uh, I believe that's the number. They feel confident about that. That not only is he going to see Jacob, he's going to spend 17 years with him. And um, it was one of the things that Sherry and I were talking about as we were discussing this. And she said to me, she said, you know, we get eternity with Bronner. And, and of course, Jacob and Joseph are spending eternity together now. But she said, I also look forward to us getting a thousand years with him in the millennial reign. And, 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 and that'll, that'll, that'll be incredible. And, uh, and I keep telling Sherry, she has a lot to look forward to because she deserves me to be in a glorified body at some point. Um, so, so anyway, um, so now let's look at 31 through 34. And Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and, and will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who are in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and he says, what's your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination or detestable to the Egyptians. What in the world is this? Uh, well, what it is is, you know what Joseph's saying? I do have a lot of power, but I'm not more powerful than Pharaoh. Y'all don't mess this up, okay? Uh, I've got y'all here. We got to reassure Pharaoh that that we won't be problematic. You know, these are Hebrews coming in, okay? And so let's let's reassure him that we will be self sufficient, okay? We know how to shepherd. We've got, and, and it's true, they had been shepherds, you know, through the, the Abraham, through Isaac, and, and through, so they're not lying about that. Uh, th- this is to reassure Pharaoh that them being in Goshen is fine. Now, remember, Pharaoh even told Joseph, he said, I'll give him the best. I can beat Goshen. But, but Joseph is saying, look, let's just stick with Goshen. Pharaoh was kind of fired up. I'm not going to press him on that. Goshen's fine. And the reason why I also like Goshen is the fact that we got all this livestock and we're shepherds, so we're not going to be a problem. We're going to be self-sufficient, uh, and, uh, we're, and he's, he's going to take care of everybody. But what commentators, it was very interesting of him saying, tell them you're shepherds because Egyptians hate shepherds. And, and there's a lot of commentary on that, on what, what, is Joseph, what is this strategy about? And really what it means is they won't really have anything to do with you, so you won't be in any kind of danger because they don't like shepherds. They won't go near shepherds. And another uh, commenta- uh, commentary that I read said the Egyptians, you know, lived not far from the Nile River, and it had vegetation along the, the, the banks that they liked, but it didn't have a lot. So sheep would come and livestock, and they'd eat up all the vegetation and infuriate the Egyptians. So we're, they also were saying, we'll stay in Goshen. We need the room. Okay, it's like, you know what it's like saying? Hey, where we live. Now, some of you out there live in different places, so I'm using an analogy of where I live. We're going to just hang down here in Chilton County, okay, about 30 minutes from Birmingham. We're not going to bother anybody in Birmingham, okay? We're going to stay down here. We'll, we'll farm. We got our livestock. We're, we're, we're just glad to be here. We're glad to be delivered here so that we won't die in the famine, but we're not going to be troubled. So what it is, let's convince Pharaoh that him leaving y'all in Goshen will be fine. That's really all this is about. And, and play the shepherd card because they don't like shepherds. 
you would think, well, why would I want to be called something they don't like? I don't mean they don't like like they'll come after you. I mean they don't like that they won't be around you. You'll be able to live in peace, and you'll be separated. And and don't you find it interesting when you do all this Old Testament? with The Bible is always about Jesus. So as you see right here, do you find it interesting that here is Joseph, and he has risen to this powerful position in Egypt, but when the lineage shows up of the nation that the Lord will create and the very nation that brings us Messiah, the very nation that Jesus of Nazareth will come from, from the line of Judah, when they arrive in Egypt for God's protection, the instruction is, we're all shepherds. Hey, we're shepherds. And what does Jesus say he is? I am the good shepherd. And my sheep hear my voice. And the lineage that gives us Messiah says, let's let the Egyptians know so that they won't bother us and we can stay in Goshen. Let them know we're shepherds. And we're all on the same page. We've been shepherds for generations. And they will produce for us the good shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the message today, and thank you for this beautiful vision, and thank you for what you've taught us throughout this study. We just continue to be so thrilled, and and I I can only speak for myself, but I know others feel the same way. Um, There's so many things you have uncovered through this study that I, frankly, have never seen before. And, And even though having some knowledge of this wonderful book of the beginning, And, Lord, I pray that you help us to finish the beginning so that we will be prepared for the end as we walk through these final few chapters and how you have walked with us for the last 11 months and as we will finish up a year studying about you and our beginning with you and the redemption that only you provide. Be with every man represented in this room. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we go and spend time with family and friends, that we never forget that ultimately we're getting together to worship and thank you because you and you alone are worthy of our gratitude and our worship. In your holy name we pray, amen. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for being with us.